Vaughn and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Welcome, 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 welcome back. Bonjour. Hello. Salam. Hola. Hello. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good morning. Buenos dias. <laughs> Last week, we were talking about time. <gasps> a waste of time. What's a waste of time, right? And we were saying how when I brought up the subject, you immediately started talking about being still. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, you consider that a waste of time? Watching the grass grow, That's watching so the weird. paint dry. So anyway, I thought, you know what? Let's do a whole other podcast on it. So here we are this week. We're going to talk about the art of stillness. Yeah, I feel like I'm walking into the lion's den a little bit on this one. Why? Well, okay. So part of, I think, still for most people would involve meditation which is something that you do all the time so that makes me a little leery to start pontificating on said subject first of all i am so short that i can do nothing but practically be still with all you tall people in the world like we're taking a stroll and i have to do a light jog to keep up with people so it just feels like i'm always still my career hasn't been going as fast as other people's I feel like I'm slow, being still. <sighs> anyway. Like standing still. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, before we start, I have three little quotes. Can I, can, Ro -ro. I, can I give you three quotes? I don't know. Can you? All on the art of stillness. One is from your big buddy. I have a lot of big buddies. The Buddha? Okay. Hold, <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> Let me just, I'll read it. I'll read it and you tell me if you know who it is. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Within you, there is a stillness and sanctuary to which you can retreat at any time and be yourself. <sighs> it's your buddy. I have a lot of buddies. Within you, there is a stillness and sanctuary to which you can retreat at any time and be yourself. Herman Hess. That sounds about right, actually, because uh, interestingly enough, I first even read the word meditation because you would always talk about, oh, yes, I want to meditate on that or whatever. But he was the first one of his books was the first place I actually ever read where somebody was meditating like mm -hmm. it was a thing. And until then, you know, my my poor little suburban brain didn't refuse to wrap around all of that aspect of stuff. Because while I was raised in a quasi-religious household, it wasn't. It had none of that tradition to it that the, even the Catholics have. Got it. I'm another quote. Uh oh. Even in stillness, there is movement. Sometimes it takes time for the molecules of change to shift form. Even when it feels like nothing is happening, transformation is taking place. Even when it feels like nothing is happening, transformation is taking place. Anonymous. Don't know who said that. Oh. And one more mm -hmm. from our friend Lao Tzu. Ooh. To the mind that is still. 
the whole universe surrenders. So I, I do a lot of meditations through. Like I, I love Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. Dr. Joe Dispenza, you guys. Just look him up if you don't know about him. But and all the work that he's done. Whew, I yeah, mean But he feels like agenda, agenda, agenda. Well, his meditations are to achieve mind over matter. Right. And right. He, so I mean he's training people to get out of the wheelchair to you know what I'm saying? And like, I, I get it, but to going, get rid of the tumor in the body. Referencing or, back to our last podcast, you know, gotta get something done. Gotta get something done. But you get to the point of nothing. You are no one, no name, nobody, nobody, nowhere, no time, nothing. You get to that point place of complete stillness of nothingness which is what typically you think of meditation as being right no thought nothing there's so many different ways to meditate and there's so many different ways to meditate but what exactly. i'm saying is through the teachings through the way they do it mm -hmm. you reach that point where you are in nothingness and that's where you're a part of all the universes at the same time when you achieve that stillness Okay. All right. Anyway, so. <laughs> well, hold on. I have my own quotes now. Oh. All right. Mathematician Pascal, French mathematician. I would attempt to say his first name, but I'll butcher it. So I'm not going to. All the unhappiness of men arises from one simple fact that they cannot sit quietly in their chamber. Mm hmm. Which is an interesting thing for him to say, not having to deal with 10 million emails a day. But also think about the people that freaked out that had to sit still during the pandemic. Yes. And be with their kids. Yes. <laughs> to be with themselves, right? People freak out. Well, I remember hearing, oh my goodness, this will take us off in the left field. There was a blackout in New York City in like the, somewhere between the 40s, 50s, and 60s. <laughs> Nine months later, all the maternity wards were full. Because people can't sit still and they didn't have the TV to distract them. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> I know, I know. Anyways. And actually, there is a recording artist. His name is uh, Thomas Merton. He actually recorded for a long time. And then he completely rejected being out there. And he went and studied at the Mount Baldy Zen Center in Southern California for like five years. Mm -hmm. He spent his time just as a monk. And he would say, he wrote the song, well, never mind, I can't actually do it, but Hallelujah, that mm -hmm. you heard in Shrek. He actually recorded that song some many, many years before. Mm -hmm. But anyways, and he would say that the way of contemplation, the way of contemplation, so now he's talking almost about Tao, is not even a way. And if one follows it, what he finds is nothing. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, that's the point is you're supposed to try and unravel this. It's almost like a Zen cone that, you know, it's the sound of one hand clapping. What does that mean? Oh, well then, boom. And it's supposed to open up your mind to meditations. But that's just it. One of the aspects of sitting still, being still, if you enter it basically with any set purpose, any set purpose, you're not going to find it. You almost, you have to renounce whatever it is you're looking for in order to find it inside of stillness. Otherwise, you're going to be looking for it 
and you're going to be directed. That's how I see it. And that's why I'm like, Joe Dispenza, no, but he's directing you. You're no, he's tech, not. He's, he, he, you have an end goal in mind. No. Well, you just said no, you did. That's not fair, though. You haven't really been to his <laughs> workshop, so you can't say that. Well, I'm I'm saying it's it's guided thought. No, it, it's not stillness. It's not guided thought. It's guided teaching you how to properly achieve a state, but it's not guiding your thoughts. It's being unlimited. It's it's showing you, hey, I'm going to teach you how to go this way. To enter the doorway, to enter this other realm. But here's the directions to the door. And this is how you open the door. So that's the only direction really you have. The rest is all up to you. That still sounds like direction. Yeah, most people don't know how to where the doorway is, Matt. Why you want to like rag <laughs> on my Joe Dispenza? <laughs> you haven't even been to his stuff. <laughs> Love is winning. <laughs> love is winning but i got to tell you this there's there's a good part of stillness and there's a bad part of stillness oh there's a bad part maybe i'm referring to quiet really but i've talked about this before i hate it i hate it when you reveal very raw things about yourself right or something that's bothering you and you finally you're brave enough to speak about it mm -hmm. i hate it when people are still and quiet not a word. That is death to me. Right. And so I had a few friends like this. They're not friends anymore that would do this. And I would even say, like, if you look back, <laughs> if you listen back to our <laughs> podcast, I've said it before, I would be vulnerable and they would be quiet. I'm like, guys, please say something. I just told you something crazy mm -hmm. and you're quiet and it's scary to me. So I need to know where I stand. Are you still with me? Right. Are you judging me? Are you no longer my friend? Because I exposed this part of myself. Was it a faux pas? Should I not have done that? And then later they would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just giving you your space. I'm like, but I told you I don't want space. Right. And that's one of those weird, I think, cop outs that people come to when they are really not sure what to do because but we, one of we them hate is being stupid we hate being stupid one of them is a psychologist i, I understand that but we hate being stupid <sighs> and nothing makes us oh, mm, when we're emotionally connected to something it can be really hard to almost distance ourselves from that in order to be able to help them but then the, the because i want to describe how it affects me the way they would come back at it was you know, I'm I'm showing you that I'm present, that I'm here with you in my quiet. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm telling you, no, that's not how it feels. But then that's what they want. That's what they believed. So that part of being still and not taking action, and that stillness in talking, that quiet, that nothingness, mm -hmm. I think is a killer of friendship in some ways. You're right. Yeah, I won't argue that I was kind of coming to it from a completely different place and that place is one of more welcome to the world of today where everything is so quote-unquote busy all the time we're constantly multitasking that's where i was coming to it from i mean are you aware you're gonna love this i pulled this statistic out of thin air but we actually work less than we did 50 years ago 
but it doesn't feel like that, does it? Because we're multitasking, right? It, part of it is we're multitasking, and another part of it is we're spending our quote-unquote leisure time doing things that feel very similar to work. We're studying at home, or we're having to go through social media. We're having to, and that's how I feel about it. I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but we have to go through social media. We keep getting bombarded with stuff mm-hmm. that we have to we have to deal with. And that makes it a very, very difficult thing. And by deal with, you mean process. We, you see something, you always need time to process what you just saw, what you are feeling. Yes. What someone said, you need time for processing. But it's if it's one, one thing, thing after, after another, there you go. then it makes you crazy. Right. And it may be just literally opening up your, you know, the, the bills. Oh, my God. The electric bill is what? Oh, mm-hmm. wait a second. My credit card just got hacked. This happened to us recently. Shock of shocks. Like it doesn't happen to everyone else, right? Our credit card just got hacked. We have to make sure that the auto insurance is paid. And oh my goodness, we got to get new tires put on. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it does seem like that there's a lot of stuff. But all that stuff, 50 years ago, people still had to deal with a lot of it. It's just there's such an expectation now of instantaneous communication. Mm-hmm. And that's really scary. Back in 2014, which was the last time I pulled any kind of statistic, well, that's where I found my statistic from. But in 2014, they were saying it takes 25 minutes to recover from a phone call. So just to get back into whatever headspace we were in before we got a phone call. And that's not in counting the time that we spent on the phone. The only problem is, is we seem to get phone calls every 11 minutes. That's what we used to do. So we but now we the phone calls recover. are now the phone calls are social media posts, right? Emails and it maybe it's texts. like thirty minutes of texting where you each send ten messages or just one text. Sometimes you can depending throw you on off. it. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I was trying to go to bed the other night, mm-hmm. and I had already paid our bills. I was freaking out about money. And I went to turn off my phone, turn off the sound, right? Mm-hmm. To go upstairs, get into bed, and I received a text from the power company, the electric company. Joyous. And I saw, because they're like, you know, we're paperless now, so they they let me know how much the bill was that's coming up. And it sent me through this spiral, like I spiraled. Right. It was horrible. <laughs> I'm like, and that was one text, one text, and I couldn't sleep. And then the next morning, first, you know, I finally didn't get to sleep, but first thought was oh, the numbers that showed up. Right. I was like, how in the world is the bill so high? Right. Yeah, I get it. Studies have shown it's best to listen to a little music or nothing. Mm-hmm. but certainly not to be on your phone just before you go to bed. So the art of stillness, going back to that, I think a lot of people are afraid of it. Like I said, I, I'm, I don't like it when people are still with me when I want them to speak. Yes. Give me a hug or something, but they just give you a blank stare. For them, it's like, I'm being here for you. I'm like, no, thank you. There's also a, an uncomfortableness but- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, uh, There's also ahead. an uncomfortableness on like a Monday when somebody asks, what did you do this weekend? If you don't say something like, well, I went to the big game and then we, you know, and then I made a well, pizza people, recipe and unless I... They, 
Okay, they, if they don't have all those things, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro or whatever. If you don't have that, it's like, it's not an in thing to say, I laid on the couch. You have to be proud of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. For it to be inspiring. I laid on the couch. Yes, I did. And I wore my most comfortable shirt. That was my most proud of moment of how I spent my time. <laughs> right? Right. But as far as like people, like people freak out about stillness. When I was a kid, I would ride my bike a long way to the beach. Mm -hmm. And then once I got to the beach, this was in Santa Monica, but I didn't live in Santa Monica. I would take these windy wooden staircase that was at, like there's a huge bluff. Do you remember Santa Monica? There was that park, mm -hmm. the Santa Monica Pier and everything. But there's like this park, but then every once in a while there would be a staircase that was rickety that would go all the way down to the sand. It would go over the Pacific Coast Highway and then you had a long walk to actually get to the water, walking on hot sand. And of course, this was during the summers when I didn't have school, right. right? So every weekend, I would ride my bike and then take my bike, take it all the way down those steps, mm -hmm. walk that hot sand, and I would sit there for hours. I didn't know what meditation was, but I was meditating. I would sit and put my gaze way out on the horizon, and I would not move. And it was still, like, by the time I get to the beaches still early in the morning and there would be joggers going back and forth mm -hmm. they would jog by me and like i said i was a kid oh. i was a kid so they would jog by me and i would guess like maybe i don't know an hour later they would jog back and they were adults so mm -hmm. they were like are you okay honey <laughs> do you need help <laughs> right and that surprised me. First of all, they interrupted my gaze. Right. Because I was totally, I mean, it must have been from a past life thing, but I was totally meditating. No mm -hmm. one taught me how to do it. It was my way to be. It was how I survived my life. Mm -hmm. But I was so shocked by, are you okay? Do you need help? All because they saw this kid sitting and not moving. I mean, if you think about it, all that time, they jogged. They were done jogging and I was still sitting there, not moved, not moved an inch. Right. But it was disturbing to people, mm -hmm. especially back then. I guess meditation was not in. Meditation was certainly not in for the masses back then. Well, I still would say it's not in. It is in. Everybody, please. 20 years ago when <sighs> Oprah started teaching meditation to people on air, it became in. Whatever Oprah says. Whatever Oprah says. It's true. Oh, all right. <laughs> Remember, like whatever she I said, do. turned into gold, right? Yes, whatever she that put is her true. Intention on her, her, her focus on. I think the pendulum has swung all kinds of different ways since then. But yes, absolutely. What do you mean? People are still eating red meat. Well, she never said you shouldn't eat red meat. Didn't she go after? She went after the uh, poultry people. Oh no! Wait a minute. She did go after the. She meat. went after the meat people. That's right. That's how she met Dr. Phil. She got sued by the meat industry. Right. Was it meat or chicken? I think it was beef. I think it was chicken, too. She okay. said, I'll never eat a chicken. Okay. Because once she found out what, what happens. Right. Which I still, to this day, I'm like, what did she see? What? I mean, we've seen our own fair share of documentaries. We're vegan, by the way, if you all don't know. And in point of fact, I mean, they do talk about cage-free 
free-range chicken, certainly. I'm sorry, but I know when you see the other documentaries, it doesn't matter. I know. Happy it's cows. Horrific. Happy cows being slaughtered. But anyways. Horrific. Anyway, we're vegan. But uh, yeah, back to back to meditation. Meditation does indeed lower blood pressure, boosts your immune system, raises your emotional intelligence, ironically, because here you are in a place of stillness by yourself, but it raises your emotional intelligence, gives you more compassion for others, and it does lead to clearer thinking. And it also stretches time because the whole concept of time just shifts. So you actually transcend time. On some level. Time and space. And honestly, for me, really the key to being still is sometimes it feels, you know, when I'm talking with people that I'm either, and this is actually a quote, I'm stealing this from somewhere else, but since it so much agrees with me, I'm just going to pretend it's my saying. But I'm foisting on others either my exhaustion or my distractedness. So I'll talk about, oh, the news stories or... You know, what's happened as opposed to really communicating who I am. Being still. If I'm still, then I, I have a better awareness of who I am. Have you ever met people who never stop talking? They won't even give you a breath to interject. I remember a friend of Daphne's that came over to my studio one day and I was waiting for Daphne to come back mm -hmm. because she wanted to meet up with Daphne. They were traveling. Oh my God, I'd never met this person before. <laughs> and I was doing them a favor. They're like, hey, can we meet at your studio? I'm like, sure, fine. Daphne was like three hours late. And the whole time this person would not stop talking, did not one breath of a pause. Mm -hmm. And I was the whole time, I was exhausted. It takes the life out of whoever you're with. If you're constantly on the move, if you're constantly moving your mouth. Or causing some sort of movement. There is an art of being still that totally lets the person know you're here with them. You're present. You're loving them. You're embracing them without physically touching them. There's an art to that and it's quite simple. You just have to be still, hold your own and look at the person and see them and listen to them. And I think people are so afraid of what happens to the in-between that they'll just keep running, running their mouths or running away one thing after another. But that was an important and very expensive three-hour lesson. <laughs> oh, dear. Because I, the whole time I was like, what is wrong with this person? Why mm -hmm. are they doing this? They're afraid of something. Maybe. They don't want to be exposed. It was a form of control. It was the fear of maybe what would happen if there's a lag in conversation. So what? If there's a lag in conversation, I think that's another thing why people don't like to hang out with new people. Because they're afraid of an awkward silence. Yeah. Because a lot can come out of that. Yes. A lot of truth, a lot of pain maybe, I don't know. But a lot is said within silence, which is probably why I don't like it. When I tell you something and then they're silent. Because to me, what comes out of that, what I'm thinking is like, these people are not my people. And now they have nowhere to go and they're just quiet. <laughs> or, or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's so many examples. It's, it, honestly, it runs the gamut. And there are points in time where it's good to be still. And there are points in time where it isn't. And that's just it. We can 
literally pick and choose those moments. And we should pick and choose those moments. And to take us all the way back to being still as being a good thing, not only does it help rechannel our energy and give us more connectedness to ourselves, which allows us to better connect to others. But if we think about this guy, Thomas Merton, after he left the Mount Baldy Zen Center, he wrote a album that ended up going to number one in 19 countries hmm. by not touring, by not spending time in the industry. He created that because he had something genuinely new to say. And that to me is also part of the key of friendship is genuinely having something new to say. I think that's why the bathroom is my conference room because it's the only place I can just be <laughs> without interruption. <laughs> Because once your mind is clear and not interrupted, that's when you're coming up with your brilliant ideas. That's right. when you can hear the voice of God. Right. You know, whatever, however way you want to describe what God is for you, but that's when you can hear things. And there you go. Is when the mind is still. So go in the bathroom. Or at least the mind is in the complete and utter flow state, whatever that flow state is. And a flow state is one of those like moments where you're... Perfectly focused on exactly one thing. Like riding your bike. Like riding your bike. Hey, what do you know? Or, you know, doing the walking meditations that exist in, mm -hmm. in Christian traditions. and In all traditions. I don't know all traditions. Mm -hmm. I don't know all traditions. You sure don't. <laughs> My ignorance is complete. <laughs> Wait, I was going to say something else. I totally forgot. See, we could have left it off on that quote. It would have been brilliant. All right. Say the quote again. <laughs> My ignorance is complete. Which I still don't understand. Explain. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. You know nothing. Exactly. That's what it is. My ignorance <sighs> is complete. All right, guys. Don't be afraid to be still. I know you're not. The art of stillness. When you look at martial artists, the ones, remember our teacher would always say, the laziest martial artists are the best. Well, yes. The less movements possible, the best. I always descend a lot faster when I'm tired and don't want to move. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll talk to you in a few days. Be well. Bye.